It's a Tuesday. Good to have you along again with the Dave Ellswick Show. We're going to talk about religious freedom this first hour. Yesterday, big court case was decided. Well, it was decided before yesterday, but the opinion was dropped yesterday uh, by the Supreme Court. It was an exciting day for people who uh, believe in religious liberty uh, about a football coach in, I think, a seven- or eight-year battle. I forget when I had the the attorneys on the first time. It was a long time ago. I know that. And uh, it's taken a long time for this to get to the Supreme Court and be heard there. But uh, what occurred yesterday, Supreme Court said the football coach was praying before game and uh, would go out, or after a game, go out to the uh, middle of the field to have a moment of quiet solitude to, uh, you know, raise praise to God. And uh, some of his players joined him as well, and they wanted to be there with him. And what occurred was that uh, some people, well, the school got upset. I think the school, in many instances, like other schools, are, have been uh, swayed and have been uh, bullied and have been threatened and believe that uh, this whole separation of church and state means that you don't have a right to religious freedom at, at all if you happen to work for them. And so uh, today we've got Mike Berry with us, Senior Counsel for First Liberty Institute uh, on the Dave Ellswick Show. We want to talk about this this big, big court decision, because this goes a long way to help us as far as religious liberty goes, does it not, Mike? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Thanks for having me on. Yes. And uh, this was, you know, this was one of the big blockbuster decisions of the term that everybody was waiting on, and it, it sure did deliver in spades. Um, it was a 6-3 to three decision authored by uh, Justice Gorsuch. Uh, and the, the vote breakdown was pretty much as you would expect it to be, right? The six uh, conservative justices voting the majority and the, and the three liberal justices in dissent. But, uh, I mean, beyond that, it, it was everything that, that we could have possibly hoped for in this case. You mentioned it was a seven-year-long legal fight. Uh, I remember day one back in 2015, uh, you know, flying on a, a, up to Seattle, Washington to, to meet with Coach and to just – to and he said, you know, where does this go? You know, back in 2015, what, what, you know, what, where does this end? And I said, um, I told him then, I, I, I didn't think that the case was necessarily a Supreme Court case, um, and I didn't think that we should try to go to the Supreme Court because back then in 2015, the court was very, very different than it is today, mm-hmm. uh, and and I wasn't confident at that time that we had the votes we needed to win but boy what you know what a difference seven years makes and we now have a a conservative majority on the court and and like i said they they, that majority delivered and i i want to emphasize that point dave because as i'm sure your listeners know the court hasn't necessarily always 
you know, delivered even when we've had a majority. But this term, this particular term, whether it's uh, Second Amendment issues, pro-life issues, or in this case, religious liberty, uh, they absolutely have delivered. So what a great day for Coach Kennedy uh, and the rights of all Americans to be able to live out their faith openly when they're at work without losing their job, you know, not having to choose between do I live out my faith or do I lose my job? And what a great day for America. Yeah, well, let me just ask this. What does this mean for the coach? I mean, he's been out now there at the school system for how many years? Uh, He was fired in – he was suspended in 2015 towards the end of the season – there's only a couple games left. He actually, I remember because I, I was there with him when he missed the playoff game, which was painful for him. And then they fired him essentially as soon as the season was over. So it's been yeah six six seasons now, six seasons plus, going on to the seventh season. So now, and as far as what happens next, yeah, go ahead. Uh, the school district. I mean, our expectation is that they're going to have to offer him his job back. I and mean, if you read the Supreme Court decision, it doesn't really leave a whole lot of wiggle room for that school district to say, well, you know, uh, we get to go back and fight it out in the lower courts again. The, the Supreme Court's decision just says, Coach Kennedy is entitled to summary judgment. The decision of the lower court is reversed, period. Wow. Um, so, you know, I don't know what they're going to argue, but uh, I would hope the first words out of their mouth are, we're, you know, we're sorry, and... Uh, here's your, you know, here's your old locker room back, Coach. Yeah, and here's here's a paycheck to make up for all the time you didn't get to work. Yeah, I mean that, you know, obviously that's going to have to be something that, that we talk about with the school district. Um, I, you know, I, I don't know what their attorneys are advising them. I did see that they issued a statement. Uh, wasn't a particularly impressive statement, but <laughs> you know. Um, Right now, I mean, their attorney, and that's the other thing that I think is important to keep in mind. I, I at least I think it's interesting. The school district was represented initially by a local attorney from you know the the, the, the Seattle area, right? And, and that's that, that's usually the case. But by the time this got to the Supreme Court, they had decided that they were going to you know switch horses, and their new law firm is none other than an organization known as the Americans United for Separation of Church and State. So if there was any doubt about what the school district thinks that this case is about and what their lawyers think this case is about, the name of the law firm that represented them was the Americans United for Separation of Church and State. Hmm. And uh, so those lawyers aren't very happy right now. Uh, they're, they're, they're pretty upset, but you know what? Elections have consequences, and we now have justices on the Supreme Court who look at the Constitution uh, according to its original meaning, and that's how they, they're going to interpret cases and, and, and the law, and, and that's what they did in Coach Kennedy's case. Yeah, this is really an exciting uh, case, and as you mentioned, because of the decided uh, conservative turn the court has taken now, whether it be you know, gun control, whether it be on abortion, whether it be on this case, uh, religious freedom and even school choice. The, ch- the, the, the decisions have been decidedly, I believe, in the right direction, finally, uh, because th- the whole thing about separation of church and state is overblown. People don't realize, yeah, Jefferson wrote a letter uh, that had the whole thing of separation of church and state. It's not in the Constitution 
and even during his term as president, where he was concerned uh, that uh, people in our country were growing up or were illiterate, he wanted them to help. We want to help uh, get them to learn how to read, and he sent Bibles to all the schools for them to learn to read. What does that tell us about what the founders believed when they wrote the things they did in the Constitution uh, of the United States? Well, most people point to Jefferson as probably the least religious, right? The least pious of our of our you know founders, and and that might be true. But what, as you pointed out. Uh, the letter to the Danbury Baptists, uh, uh, you know, that, that first used that phrase, separation of church and state. Let's let's put that letter in context. Yes. It was a letter to a church assuring the church that the government would not interfere in the church's affairs. The federal right? government. The exactly. federal government wouldn't. States had state churches at that time. That, that's exactly right, and that's the way that the founders intended it to be, right? That each state was free to decide for itself whether and what kind of state church it wanted to have, but there would be no federal government. That's and correct. That's what Jefferson's letter was assuring the Mary Baptists is that the federal government was not start picking favorites uh, among among the different denominations and faith groups. And, and, and then when people say, well, that, you know, Jefferson was a— a deist, he was a liberal, blah, blah, blah. And I remind them, I say, well, whatever you think his personal beliefs were, uh, he called for national days of prayer and fasting and Thanksgiving. Yep. So, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know what to make of that when, when you claim that he believed in separation of church and state. I mean, how does a sitting president say we're going to have a national day of prayer and fasting and Thanksgiving? Um, so... I'd love to have a President Jefferson in office right now because I think he would allow Coach Kennedy to do what he did, right, to, yeah. to, to pray after a football game. So, And you mentioned school choice as well, and I, and I would be remiss if I didn't say that that was also one of First Liberty's cases. That's right. Uh, it was you guys. So we had two, two wins in seven days, which is a – a pretty good little run we're on right now. Well, it's, so we're, it's we're, great. We're very thankful. I'm really, I'm really pleased with what you all have done. You got a great organization. Let's talk some more when we come back. I got to get a break in here on the Dave Ellswick show. Then we'll be back with Mike Barry. He is the senior counsel for First Liberty Institute. We'll talk further with him about this case. If he wants to talk a little bit about the, uh, you know, school choice issue. Uh, as well, we can do that because uh, that's a big win, and it's going to play big here in the state of Arkansas next year uh, when the state legislature gets uh, gets together again in January. And I'm telling you, school choice is going to be one of the big issues here in Arkansas next year. Let's talk about PI Roofing real fast. PI Roofing to take good care of your uh, roof for you. If you need a new roof, hey, they'll get with your insurance company. They'll talk to them. <coughs> they'll sit down with their appraiser. They'll show them where the problems are, and then they'll get the best deal that they possibly can for you so you can get your uh, your house in order. All you have to do is call them, 501-707-3551. That's 501-707-3551, or visit them online at piroofing.com, and you can do what I do. I don't let anybody on my roof to work on my roof except P.I. Roofing. Our guest, Mike Berry, who was on the council uh, for 
Uh, the uh, football coach in Washington, uh, uh, Joe Joe Washington, was it? No, not Joe. Yeah, it was Joe. Well, how's Joe feeling about all of this, Mike? Well, as you can imagine, he's relieved, right? I mean, this is a seven-year-long battle. And, uh, you know, there were definitely some ups and downs along the way, right? We, we had a number of setbacks in, in the lower, you know, we had to fight this thing through the Ninth Circuit. So uh, the infamous Ninth Circuit, which is probably the most liberal circuit in the country. Right. Uh, and, and, and so that doesn't come without its challenges and setbacks. And so there were some pretty, pretty gloomy days with, with Coach when you know, we'd get a bad decision from the court and uh, that, that felt pretty, pretty bad. But we told him all along, you know, that, look, this is a marathon, not a sprint. The wheels of justice turn slowly, but at the end of the day, we believe that our cause is righteous. You know, we believe that we have a good case. We've got good facts. We've got good law. We just need judges who are going to apply it uh, or justices who are going to apply it. And we felt very confident going to the Supreme Court that we had the votes. And and, and really, it just became a game of patience and, uh, you know, Joe's background is uh, he used to run ultra marathons, so he knows all about patience and, and, and uh, you know, setting a good pace. So when we got the decision, uh, you can imagine how relieved and, and thrilled he was. I was with him, you know, yesterday, all day. Uh, we were doing, obviously, a lot of media interviews, but just having some opportunity to talk and chuckle about old times. And, and uh, you know, honestly, the, the first question people say is, so, you know, when are you going to go back and coach? And he said the second they tell him that he can be back on that field, he will be there. So uh, he's ready. I think he's been waiting for this for seven years. And, I, you know, I just hope that I have the opportunity and the privilege to be there on the sidelines uh, when, when he sets foot on that field again for the first time. Yeah, you need to be out there on the sideline for sure, get your little special uh, identification and be standing on the sidelines. What I've always found interesting about this case is that the person who raised it, who complained, was an opposing coach. It wasn't somebody from the school district. It wasn't even somebody from uh, the team that he that he coached. It was an opposing coach that really bothers me well and i gotta make one clarification it wasn't even a complaint oh really it was a compliment it oh. was a compliment oh really it was a compliment from and i think it was like the athletic director or the coach of a a from a different school from a neighboring school district who happened to be there watching one of the games saw what coach did right saw how it inspired and motivated the kids and just and moseyed on over to the Bremerton head coach or the superintendent, or I think it was the athletic director, and said, hey, I just think it's really great that you guys do that, you know? And I think almost sort of bemused that he, you know, in, in, in the 21st century, in a liberal place like Seattle, that there was still kind of this old-fashioned guy out there that would kneel and give thanks after the football game, but he thought it was a great thing. And... You know, and that, but that had been going on for years, and it wasn't until the Bremerton School District, I think it was their lawyers, you know, uh, the stinking lawyers. Once they get involved, everything goes off the rails, right? And that, and, and the Bremerton School District lawyer found out about it, and said that 
they he thought they needed to do an investigation just to make just to make sure right that, that nobody's breaking the law because of course that's the first thing you always think of when you see something good happening in oh, the yeah. country is oh well somebody's got to be breaking the law <laughs> um, so you know and I mean that's the real irony here is that um, that's what ended up leading to this whole fiasco and we tried and tried and tried to meet with Bremerton School District and their lawyers. We assumed from the beginning that this must just be a misunderstanding because if you've ever met Coach, you'll know he's harmless. I mean, he's just a great – he's a retired U.S. Marine combat veteran. The guy just wants to give back, you know, and uh, wants to continue serving his community. You know, like, this is the guy they're going after? Like, really? Are we sure they have the right guy here, you know? And, right. Um, maybe this is just a misunderstanding. I mean, surely once they kind of hear, like, what he's actually doing – Nobody's going to have a problem. With, nobody can have a problem with what he's doing, and they just flat out refused. They said, "Nope, you know, we're, you know, these are our rules, you know, our way Amazing. or the highway." And we just said, "Well, we'll see you in court." Yeah, let me ask one last question, and that is this whole thing that went on with Sports Illustrated. Uh, what's what's that? Where's that at as far as uh, Joe Kennedy is concerned? You know, that, that, that whole situation with Sports Illustrated gives everybody a, a chuckle, uh, at least on our side. And, and, and just for our listeners, you know, they, they ran a cover story, and the headline that they ran was that, uh, th- that if the Supreme Court is probably going to rule in Coach Kennedy's favor and that it will erase one of the bedrock, they called it one of the bedrock, you know, principles of our constitutional democracy. Right? How ridiculous. So basically um, implying that if the Supreme Court rules in his favor – that it's going to erode democracy. And I guess at first we were a little surprised by that because we actually had a great time with the, the, the Sports Illustrated reporter who covered it. He seemed like a great guy. He and Coach it really hit it off well. Um, but I also know this, as somebody who's written a lot of op-eds and articles over the years, is that often the headline that's chosen isn't necessarily the one that the, that the reporter or the author you know, chose, right? It, it's, it's, it's editors in a back room somewhere who are trying to come up with something clickbaity. You That's know? right. And, and so, uh, so I don't know who, who chose that title. So I don't want to say that it was, it, you know, it was the guy that, that met with coach and covered it. Cause again, I think he seemed like a pretty straight up guy. Um, I just know that look, sports illustrated wanted to, wanted to get clicks. They got clicks, right? I mean, it, it, it kind of went viral there for a while. Um, but at the end of the day, Coach just laughs about it, shrugs his shoulders, and just says, "You know what? That's that's just that's what happens sometimes, right? You can you can drop the best game plan you want, the best X's and O's you want, and, and, and when, once you get out there and you call Ike, um, things go haywire. So that seems like what what happened with Sports Illustrated. At the end of the day, um, they were half right and half wrong. Coach won his case, which is what they predicted, uh, but." It seems to me that our constitutional republic is still in, in pretty good shape. So, yeah, it's still uh, I think standing. I got that part wrong. <laughs> All right, Mike Barry, our guest, uh, senior counsel for First Liberty Institute. Great to have you along, Mike. I've got about forty seconds. What does this decision mean for the future of religious liberty in our country? It's a decision that law students are going to be studying for generations. You know, um, it's one that, that that's going to go in the history books, and it means. Uh, as I said earlier, that no American can be forced to choose between their faith and their job. 
Uh, now, there's always going to be some limitations and some restrictions that I think are reasonable and common sense, but what happened in this case was nowhere near reasonable or common sense. What the school district said was, if you're doing anything religious and people can see you do it, uh, then uh, we're going to prohibit it, and if you do it, we'll fire you. So that's that's ridiculous. That's not what the law requires, and now the Supreme Court has said that, you know, that you do not give up your religious freedom just because you happen to be on the job. All right. Mike Berry, we thank you for your time. I know you're being inundated for interviews. I appreciate you giving us 30 minutes here on the Dave Ellswick Show and the folks in Little Rock. Thank you for that. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye-bye now. Mike uh, Mike Berry and our, you know, I, I want to say how, you know, happy I am for Coach Kennedy that he's going to be able to look like he'll be able to coach again. But the bottom line is he had the perseverance to, to walk through the fires here. I mean, he walked through some fires. Eight years. And don't forget about uh, our good friend Pat Davis. He wants to save your money on your health insurance, 30 to 50%. Uh, by going with Pat, he'll show you how what he does, just uh, no matter who you've got as your uh, health care or not health insurance provider, uh, that he can get it that you don't have any co-pays, that you can cut down on those deductibles you have. I mean, what good is having health insurance if you're paying a six, eight, ten thousand dollar a year deductible, where ever, all the money that that you spend, that uh, you know the the health dollars that you have to have is coming out of your pocket. It's not even touching your health insurance. I mean, if that's the case, you might as well not even have health insurance. It's just the way it is. But Pat can show you how to get around a lot of that and save yourself a lot of money, whether it's for individual health care or if you're a small business owner and you're still one of those business owners that supplies their workers with health insurance. Give him a call, 501-605-6935, 501-605-6935, or visit him online. Go to Your Health Plan Man, that's one word, yourhealthplanman.com. Well, we just got done talking with Mike Berry, who is a senior, senior counsel for First Liberty, talking about what uh, the decision about Joe Kennedy, what all happened, uh, what uh, Joe Kennedy can expect in the future. And, you know, they're going to end up maybe back in court again because i am got to believe that Joe Kennedy's going to be at least owed six years of back pay. Plus, he's going to have to be off, be offered his job back again. So uh, we'll talk uh, with Mike Berry later on uh, in next month uh, to find out how all of that is going. But when I have questions about what does a case mean, I always turn to the people that I know have answers for me, and that's the Heritage Foundation. I've used the Heritage Foundation here on the Dave Ellswick Show for a low 20 years. We've had people on uh, there for a long, long time, and today is no exception. Sarah Parshall Perry is going to join us, and we're going to talk deeper into this issue that we uh, that we had uh, decided yesterday for Joe Kennedy, and that is, where's your religious beliefs and your work? Where do they separate? I mean, what can your the people who hire you tell you to do as far as your faith is concerned? 
let's let's remember just a couple of things that have happened in the past when we had a more liberal Supreme Court. We had people that were wearing uh, a crucifix that were, were told by the people that employed them that they couldn't wear it. There were people that had Bibles that were sitting on their desks that were told that they couldn't have them out on their desk. And then you had Joe Kennedy, who was saying a personal prayer and uh, no coercive moves towards his players to make them come out and pray with him. They willingly came out and took a knee next to their coach. And we had a school district telling him he couldn't do that and then finally fired him. And they finally uh, got that all taken care of, and it had to go all the way to the Supreme Court. Sarah, this war against people's religious beliefs, is it ever going to give up? No, it's not, actually. And I think, you know, the left has this nasty habit of seeking to destroy the institutions that they can't control. And because people, despite all of the case law and all of the lawsuits and all of the firings, still continue to exercise their private religious beliefs in public spaces, I think we're going to see increase in discussions on things like this, not a decrease. And this is a perfect example of how an individual's private expression, his private prayer at the midfield line after a football game, wanted to be sort of, you know, scrubbed by the school district. And I think Gorsuch, who wrote the Kennedy opinion, had some tremendous zingers in this case, one of which was we have to learn to tolerate diverse expressive activities that are part of learning how to live in a pluralistic society. He also said, you know, the school district's view of the Establishment Clause, the portion of the First Amendment that prevents government establishment or endorsement of religion, that it has a duty to suppress religious observances, even as it allows secular observances of any other kind. For example, if a coach takes a knee to protest in favor of Black Lives Matter or against police violence, that would be fine. And Gorsuch points out the hypocrisy here, saying, listen, you cannot scrub any religious expression simply because a an employee happens to work for a school district or any other government agency. And they began with an initial principle, and I really do love this. I've relied on it often in my writing and my speaking on the notion of government employees and their freedom of speech and freedom of religion. But the court pointed out in a case from Pickering many years ago that school employees and students, for that matter, don't shed their First Amendment rights at the schoolhouse gate. You suddenly don't become an automatron simply because you happen to be a government employee. And he has every right to take a knee at the midfield line and quiet private prayer as he would to read his Bible quietly between class when the bell rings. So we don't expect our government employees to suddenly become 100% secular just because they take a job with the government. And I think they reached an appropriate balance of those factors here. Well, I thought it was interesting that Sotomayor, Judge Sotomayor, said, look at uh, these these kids that joined him. They were being coerced to join him. He never said a word to those players. Those players will, willingly of themselves 
went out and took a knee next to their coach. Their parents even uh, told, I guess, the lawyers that that was happening, that no one had coerced their, their kids to do anything. That's exactly it. And in fact, this is not, as the Supreme Court rightly pointed out, coercion in the traditional historical sense. In other words, the court has many, many decades of rulings on free speech and free exercise, but precisely on the issue of free exercise of religion within the context of government employment and the schoolhouse specifically. And in a case called Engel versus Vitale, the court recognized that school officials leading prayer is not constitutionally permitted. That is because those individuals were leading the prayer. Here, you have a coach taking a 30-second knee, thanking God for the safety of his players and the ability to coach these young men. Naturally, the students see it, they want to participate, and understandably so. This is a coach who clearly loves them and who's just thanking God for an opportunity to work with them. I think the school district's representation that, you know, it created this zoo at the homecoming game where students rushed the field, where they were rushing the field because they so wanted to participate with him, simply saying administratively that there were safety concerns or created a chaotic scene, doesn't mount to establishment of religion. That's the advancement of a secular interest in school safety, and they could have addressed that in a completely different way, but they didn't. And I'm very gratified that Gorsuch rightly recognized, as did the remainder of the majority here, that you're singling out for disparate treatment an individual because of his religious expression. And the school district admitted that outright. They said, okay, we fired him because of his religious expression. We were worried about violating the Establishment Clause. Uh The court said that is not enough to terminate a government employee. The Constitution doesn't mandate it, and it doesn't tolerate it either. Yeah, that really... And, and i got to get a break in, and then we'll come back and finish up this interview. I want to pursue that line of questioning a little bit with you, and that is the school officials, the superintendent, the school board, the principal. Where do they play in this that they're so scared? Is it because of litigation? What is it that has them all running scared uh, from any of these gr- I mean, there's one group out there about separation of church and state. They've got five members of their group, and they send out letters to schools, and they threaten them, and the schools capitulate immediately. Let's talk yeah. about that when we come back. Sarah is our guest, Sarah Parshall Perry of the Heritage Foundation, one of the great groups, heritage.org is their website. You want to know anything about conservative thought? You go there. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. They'll take good care of you. Uh, they can repair your jewelry. Uh, they've got, uh, you know, wedding and engagement sets that are just outstanding, I mean, made by manufacturers. And also, they if you want to have a, a set that's unique to your wedding, talk to uh, Eric about that, the owner of Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. And, uh, you know, I'd call him. He's, an, he's, a, he's a guy who's a, a craftsman. 
he can put together a set that will be just outrageously great for your wedding. He's got a computer where they draw up a, the, the plans for the ring. They can do wax impressions, show you what it's going to look like. He, you can pick out the stones. He's got plenty of loose stones that you can choose from. The man knows what he's doing, and it is quality through and through. Call Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. They've been around for 40 years. Talk to Eric at 501-246-3655 or stop by anytime that they're open Monday through Saturday, 10 to 6. He'll be there. You can have a, a direct conversation with him at 3000 Cavanaugh Boulevard, Suite E in Little Rock. That's Hillcrest Designer Jewelry. All right, we just have a few minutes left with uh, Sarah Parcel Perry of the Heritage Foundation. Sarah, as I left us, I, I made the statement that a lot of school boards, school superintendents, principals run scared uh, because of religious liberty. Is that because the Supreme Court's been so liberal in the past that they've tended to fall on the side of squashing uh, religious liberty instead of now a Supreme Court that looks like they are out to protect religious liberty? You know, I think that could be a part of it. I do think, as you rightly mentioned before the break, that there are certain litigious organizations that are ready to drop papers anytime a religious expression is made within the context of government employment or government um Format. You know, the First Amendment doesn't anticipate that people suddenly have to take off their religious beliefs once they are within a secular environment. And in fact, it was precisely the opposite. Our founders recognized the need to prevent government interference. Uh, interference with private religious exercise. And in fact, the Establishment Clause was designed to do just that, to prevent the government from creating a state-sponsored religion, as the Church of England had done during the monarchy from which the founders left. So we are really in a position to have complementary interactions between the Establishment Clause and the Free Exercise Clause. I think Gorsuch, the majority, rightly pointed out Listen, they have to work together. They have to be sort of complementary to one another. And if you're allowing someone to take a knee for another reason, but you're not allowing someone to take a knee for a religious reason, the Constitution holds that to be an impermissible violation of someone's private religious exercise. Sonia Sotomayor, as she just did in the Carson v. Macon case, remember that came out last week, another good decision on religious liberty in which the Supreme Court determined that a generally available tuition assistance program That's right. had to be made available to parents to use at religious schools, not just at secular schools. She issued a dissent in that case saying that the Establishment Clause is being chipped away, but the Free Exercise Clause is expanding. She said the exact same thing here, citing her own dissent in Carson v. Macon. So it is Sotomayor citing Sotomayor from just a few days ago. And she's sort of held to that same interaction, believing that the bigger concern is the Establishment Clause. We don't want the government involved in the business of endorsing religion. But no one can say it does not pass the straight face test. No one can say that Coach Kennedy was endorsing, encouraging, or instructing people to pray with him. He told them, and I quote, it's a free country. You can do what you want. So I think this is 
precisely the right outcome here. Yeah, it, it amazes me that when you talk about, quote, the separation of church and state, how many people don't even understand the history behind that particular statement? Because Jefferson was talking about federal law forcing you to join a particular religion. All across the, the colonies at that time, states had their own religions. So yeah. I, I don't know. Where did we go wrong on this? Well, on the history that some of my work cites of the sort of disappearing wall of separation between church and state was taken from Thomas Jefferson's letter to the Danbury Baptist Correct. Association. And, and again, it was his influence in trying to establish that the government stayed out of private religious expression, that the wall, if there was one, was designed to prevent the government from becoming too large and interfering too much within these private religious expressions. And his recognition of this being a function of our living in a pluralistic society, of sort of tolerating diverse viewpoints, I think could not be more timely because we have gotten to a point where particularly from the left, there is no tolerance of dissent whatsoever. There is no tolerance of differentiation of opinion. And I think Gorsuch in subtle but very clear terms makes clear that that is not going to be the way that court will interpret and apply the First Amendment. Yeah, I, I just find it so interesting when you bring up the people that Jefferson wanted the people of the United States to be literate. And the way he did that is he wanted them to learn to read, of course, and he sent the Bible to the schools that were out there, to church schools and wherever, for them to learn from the Bible. I mean, come on, folks, you know, open your eyes and understand what was going on then. That's exactly it. That's exactly it. I think Sotomayor could do a little bit with uh, an American history class. Yeah. The fact of the matter is one clause is not greater than the other. And I think the court rightly recognizes that there is an increasing and very troubling trend of trying to limit private religious exercise because these happen to be unpopular opinions based on where we are culturally and politically. And they want to make sure that individuals like Coach Kennedy, any government employee, is not forced to suddenly stop praying simply because they happen to work for a government entity. Last question for you, Sarah. What should a uh, superintendent or a, a principal do when they're when they're looking at something? Let's say you have a, a teacher that has a Bible on their desk. Uh, does it make sense that you just make the the necessary accommodation so that they can have that Bible on, on, on the desk? It's not like they're doing Bible classes. That's exactly right. If the teacher were to stand up during social studies or American history and start preaching or reading the Bible publicly or performing a Bible lesson, that would naturally be government endorsement of religion. If a teacher's just simply got a Bible on his desk or her desk or is praying quietly between classes, that's a private religious expression. And that in no way envisions or embodies that type of coercion that the Establishment Clause was written to prevent. Great. Sarah, thanks so much. I'd like to get you back on in the future. I'm, I know we're going to fight this battle more. We've, we've been doing it over RIFRO laws and everything else here in Arkansas as well. But we thank you for your time. Sarah 
Parcel Prairie uh, from the Heritage Foundation. Again, it's the place that I go most of the time to get background information. Their website is heritage.org. Thanks, Sarah. Have a great day. Thanks so much. All right. Appreciate you. Yeah, Sarah Parcel Perry here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Well, I hope that during this hour we've discussed this enough, looked at it from every angle that we kind of can look at, and you've got an overview of what is this whole thing about separation of church and state? What is all of this stuff about when schools go after a coach that prays at the 50-yard line by himself and his students go up willingly and join him, that he is in nowhere coercing those uh, students? And please don't don't use the the argument, well, I want to start, so I'll go out and do it with the coach so that he'll know that I'm in his corner. Okay, I'm I'm not going to say there's not brown nosers like that in the world. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, these kids knew that this coach cared for them. And they went out and joined him at the 50-yard line. All right, it's Dave Ellswick Show. Bible Guys are next. We'll talk a little bit more about now inside the church. What do you deal with this whole abortion ruling? We'll talk about that. Scott will be here from Agape Church to take on that topic. It's a hot one on the Dave Ellswick Show. Time for the Bible guys. Well, Bible guy. Uh, Scott is here <laughs> from Agape Church. We do this every once in a while because uh, for one reason or another, the uh, the other gentlemen who normally take part in the show can't make it. Uh, and Steve Hess and uh, Billy Miller. Uh, Billy has uh, COVID and Scott has been exposed to it. Steve. Or Steve. Pardon me. I said Scott. Steve. And, uh, of course, when, you know, Steve said, hey, what do you think? I said, stay home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Please don't come here. <laughs> I, don't, I don't need that. And uh, now you, Scott's a little, you know, a little stuffy, but his wife had a summer cold. Yeah. And now he's got it. And that's bad enough. So we're not going to 
worry about it being COVID or anything. No, like she that. went. She went and got tested. It was all negative. So all right. So that's good. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy to hear. So that. Is, is there a lesson here? You don't kiss your wife when she's got a cold. Yeah, that's typically a good idea. Kiss okay. him on the cheek. Oh, on the cheek. All right. Yeah, you okay. can do that and then gargle with listerine. A lesson learned. Uh, <laughs> Use that, learned. Use all of that. You, at that point, you use all of the uh, uh, the alcohol that's in the listerine to kill the germs. That's correct. It sounds Absolutely. like my voice is about a octave lower than it sounds it great, is. man. Does it sound right? Yeah, Barry White had nothing <laughs> now, on you. Now I've got a radio voice. <laughs> all I have to do is have a perpetual cold all the time. All right. Hey, there's been a lot of things that have happened here in the last few days. Friday, one of the great days because of what the Supreme Court decided yeah. about Roe v. Wade mm-hmm. and Casey. That was a big deal. And we're going to talk about that in just a moment. But a, uh, a couple days before that, they they ruled in favor of gun rights uh, in the state of New York. And a few days before that, they ruled that, you know, you can't have a, 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 a program that gives certain people uh, money for their students but will not give money uh, to people to use for their kids at a religious institution. Yeah. So that that was a big, big win as, as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of good things going on right now. And uh, you may not have liked Trump. You may have hated him as an individual. But I got to tell you what. I saw a political cartoon. I posted it on my Facebook. And you've seen the the stickers of biden that says i did that that you stick up on the gas pumps you know uh this was of of of, uh, former president trump uh pointing at gorsuch's name uh uh, at uh, barrett's name and you know the people that he has put on the supreme court and said i did that and his doing that has brought us what we're seeing now Mm mm-hmm I mean, that's big. We well, we 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 said when he ran, that was something that you had to consider. Right. What would the candidate who? What kind of of a judge would they be looking for? And mm-hmm. he said an originalist. Yeah. And that's what he gave us three originalists, and we've gotten the and these guys have all lived up to their uh, to their press. Do you think it is um, you know with the six three ruling with the with the. Um, uh, uh, the Roe v. Roe v. Wade. Do you think that they were able to influence Roberts? Because Roberts was always the one I was like, you know, you well, just... you know, Roberts is he didn't go along with him all the way. Okay. He went he went along. I'll say he went eighty percent. Okay, he didn't get rid. He didn't want to throw uh, away Roe v. Wade. He's an incrementalist. He wants to do it a little bit at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other justices, why? It's a bad decision. Right. We're going to throw it in the trash bin, and that's what they did. And uh, and so Thomas and and uh, I'm trying to think of Gorsuch, Barrett, and I've just lost the Alito. Other, oh, not not Alito, no. but but uh, Alito was in on it. No. But I'm thinking of the other uh, the guy that that the dude showed up. He wanted to assassinate Kavanaugh. Him. Kavanaugh, thank you. Uh, you know, they decided it was time for it to go. Mm. Look, Ginsburg even said it was bad law oh, did when she? she was alive. Yeah, she said it was it was a piece of law that was made up, mm. which it was. There was no precedent for it. No, no. And, yeah. made, and 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 then the people who say, "Well, you don't overturn precedent." No. There's been a hundred times that the Supreme Court has overturned precedent. Mm. Um, you know, Brown versus Education was an overturning of a federal law, uh, separate but equal. 
uh, which was discrimination. That's what it was. And that law had been in effect since the 18, what, 1856 oh, wow. before they got almost 100 years, and they, and they overturned it. Of course you can overturn laws, and they did. So it helps us to keep from making the same mistake over and over. I would sure ahead. hope so. And to say, well, yeah, it's bad law, but it is precedent, so we'll let it stand, that just seems stupid to yeah. me. Sure. That's a dumb argument. Yeah. Okay, so you're telling me you came up with a law that's wrong, but you're going to leave it wrong because we don't overturn it even if it is wrong. Now, what? That makes no sense. No. You don't no do that in your own private life. No. Absolutely not. Absolutely Did you see that, uh, that the New York Supreme Court actually um, threw out the fact that, um, you know, there was, um, I think it was the, um, the New York House and Senate passed that uh, illegals could um, oh, vote. vote, and New York Supreme yeah, Court threw that out. Said, yeah, no, they can't. Yeah. Well, thank, I thought that was, I was surprised. Yeah, thank goodness, right, yeah. And you but, know what they said? Not because it was against uh, our, our the Constitution of the country. It's against the New York State Constitution. Oh, right. You know, they, they said, did you read our Constitution? <laughs> See, that's something that we've got going for us here in the state of Arkansas. We have the right to life in our Constitution. Oh, do we really? Yes, we do. And they passed that in the 80s, I think. Okay. So that's already in there, and that will – I think that will slow up or maybe even keep these people that are trying to bring lawsuits against the trigger laws, which we had one, uh, from being challenged. I don't think they're going to be able to challenge the tri- trigger well, how, how law here. They, how can they challenge if the Supreme Court has made the ruling? Is it um, – Don't Hey, I slept at a uh, Holiday Inn, but I didn't get the, the, the course on law. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> I didn't get that part of it. I, I can't give you all the ins and outs. I wish I had uh, Robert Steinbach here. He could all talk right. about it. Yeah. You know, he wants to teach constitutional law over at, uh, at Bowen, but they won't let him because he's a conservative. Oh, really? Yeah, that's the reason why. Mm. I, there's no other reason why. Yeah. You know, because he's a Rhodes Scholar. Right. You know, and uh, they still don't let him do it. Because doggone it, he might actually tell him there's a constitutional reason why he can't do certain things. You know, when, whenever I was in um, high school, when I was in high school, you had to um, you had to give both creationism and evolution equal time, or, or not equal time, but had to teach both. I'm going to tell you something. Okay. In January, when state legislature gets together again, get ready. There's a piece of legislation I know of that that's coming up. Uh-huh. What I'm just talking about? Yeah, what you can't talk oh, really? about. They're going to have to. If you teach, if you teach uh, Darwinism, you're going to have to teach creationism. Wow, how beautiful! Yeah, well, but, that's it's the way it should be. It sure, it is. Sure, um, and just and the next step is just throw away Darwinism and just teach <laughs> <laughs> creationism. But but yeah, so my, that'd be up to the religious yeah. schools. Well, my my my, uh, my science teacher, he got in. He said, "Okay, so he said we're going to teach both." He said, because I'm, I'm told I have to, he said, so we're going to start off with evolution, and then we'll move over to creationism. And this is what he did. He said, okay. He said, okay, here it is. Um, evolutionists say it's your great, 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 great grandpa was a monkey. Okay, that's done. Now let's talk about creationism. <laughs> and he spent the entire rest of the semester. Wow. Did, and, that, and that was how he gave it uh, equal voice. That's interesting. Yeah. That's interesting. Well, this main decision, and Scott and I were talking about it here before we came on, just in passing. But uh, the whole thing of 
uh, up in Maine, they were saying that they were going to give these scholarships out to the kids that they could take the money that it took to to educate them to whatever public school they wanted to. And uh, the school, the uh, people got involved in it, brought law, a lawsuit against it. It ended up in front of the Supreme Court saying, well, not only public schools, but if you want to go to a religious school, you can take that money with you to that religious school. Mm-hmm. And they won. That's they tried amazing. to stop it. They tried to stop it. Uh, the the politicians up yeah. in Maine, and they lost. That's great. Yeah, I agree. Praise God. And, and let me just say, be watching in January when the politicians here get together, because school choice is going to be a huge, a huge, I believe, a huge uh, topic they're going to take up. And we'll have a new governor or governor, governor S by yeah. that time. Yeah, we should have our first uh, female governor mm-hmm. in the state of Arkansas. Uh, I'm looking forward to what Sarah brings to the table. Uh, I been I have I've not talked to Sarah. I've talked to the uh, state senators and state representatives, and they all have said in their meetings with her and the meetings that her people have had with the uh, Republican Party uh, and the, of these of the elected officials that uh, she is really going to be pushing some really good conservative things here in the state that's great yeah i'm i'm excited about it i really the whole thing about school choice excites me mm-hmm. exceedingly yeah. as far as that's concerned all right when we get back let's take on an interesting topic i've been reading different stories from different sites that uh, are christian sites and it says how do you deal with somebody in church you're pro-life they're pro-choice how do you deal with that? How do you talk to that person? And we'll talk about that when we get back here on the Bible Guys. Scott's here from Agape. He's the only one here. If you got a question, uh, you can call in at 501-823-0965. But right now, learn about this. All right, back with you. All right, the other day, Saturday, I was on Kim Hammer's show, and uh, we were talking about the abortion ruling that came down on Friday. And uh, one of the things that came up was now the church has to sit up or shut up. All right? You got to do it or not do it. And uh, I was kind of asked what I thought, and I said, I want to say that they're going to fill in the voids that need to be filled, but I'm worried about it. And I I do, because... And I, I said it, I'd say it the same way again. You have three different kinds of people you're dealing with in the church. You have the unbeliever. Believe it or not, a lot of people that stood down in church are not believers. Jesus Christ. They're, they're as lost as the drunk down on Main Street. Just they're because of tradition. That's correct. You have people who are carnal Christians. All they're doing is uh, sucking on the bottle still. They got their fire insurance, so to speak, Mm -hmm. and then they don't want to go, you know, but Jesus as Lord is foreign to them. Then you have spirit-filled Christians, and it's not to say the carnal carnal Christians aren't spirit-filled. The the Holy Spirit abides with them. They just don't listen to him. Right. All right. Uh, Then you have the spirit-filled Christians who are listening to what the Word says, to what the Holy Spirit is leading them to do, and... That's, that's going to cause problems in a church, mm. especially where the church 
recently, and I'm going to say this is over the last 30, 40 years, has let the thoughts of the world come in and change their thoughts away from the word. And I've been reading these articles. What do you do if you're pro-life and you come up across a person in in church and they're pro-choice? What do you, how do you deal with that? How, do, how What do you say? And, you know, my thought process is that you present to them what the Word says, and then you let the Holy Spirit do the rest of the, the work, mm-hmm. so to speak. I, I've not made any enemies over that in church, but I'm not going to back down from speaking the truth. But I read these articles. I gave one of them to to Scott to look at. And you read the article, and it says, what do you do? And then it gets to the end, and they don't tell you, what do you do? Uh You know, they they give you a proposition. They don't don't answer it. So what do you do? Yeah. Well, I would would agree with what uh, what you just said. You have to, in the context of what we believe as a church, um, we believe in absolute truth. And absolute truth is given to us. Uh, not based upon circumstance or culture. Um, our, circum- our, our absolute truth is given us to, through the Scripture. Right. So um, at the end of the day, my opinion is worthless. Uh, my opinion uh, is meant to be subject to the Word of God. That's why, that's why the Bible tells us that we should submit ourselves unto the Lord. And the way you do that is you say, well, I, this is my thought about this topic, but God's scripture, God's word says something different. So I'm going to take my thought and submit it to God's thought and allow his thought to become my thought. And then we're able to move together in some uh, type of unity. Disunity exists when people have pride issues where my idea and my experience and quote, my truth is how I'm going to live my life. But when Christians come together from so many different backgrounds. The way unity, one of the ways unity is achieved, is by rejecting our own subjective truth and accepting the absolute truth of the scripture. Isn't that what the Bible tells us that we're supposed to do? Absolutely. Don't don't rely mm-hmm. on your own thoughts and feelings. That's right, and that and that's where. But we live in a world day where people are promoting. How do you feel about this? Or, you know, and, and well, and you've seen this happen a million times. So you sit around a, a, a Bible study group, a home group. Everybody reads a verse of scripture or a passage, and then we say, go around the ver- the, the center, the, go around the, the circle, and say, what does that verse mean to you? And so we've allowed it now to mean fifteen different things. All right, so let me stop you there. Mm-hmm. Priesthood of the believer. All right. Yep. We all believe in that. Yep. All right. However, that doesn't mean anything goes. No. No. There is an there is an absolute truth, and then everything has to filter through that truth. Uh, you can God will have maybe you express it differently than than I do, like uh, go into all the world, the world and preach the gospel, and maybe. Th- the way I'm going to do that is through pastoring a church, and you're going to do that through having a radio show, and someone else is going to do it through having a book publishing company, and someone else mm-hmm. is going to do it through having a television show, and someone else is going to be on a go around from neighborhood to neighborhood holding crusades with a tent. But we're all doing the same thing, but with different expressions. And this is where we're allowed 
to just kind of flow with the spirit how he wants to use me. But it doesn't take away from the central truth, which is go into all the world and to preach the gospel. Yeah, that that's becomes what the it main, says. That's what it says. So everybody's First doing the command, same thing. The scripture. Yes. So we're all doing that, but we're doing it through a different um, a different vehicle, as it were. And so the article that you sent me asked, you know, how can two people who are led by the Spirit have completely different uh, uh, positions on things? Well, here's the thing: if I feel the Spirit of the Lord leading me to do something. But I see it's in direct conflict with the word. I'm not being led by the spirit. Thank you. It's my emotion, it's my flesh, it's my whatever. But it's I'm not my being, culture. It's my culture, but I'm not being led by the spirit. So the the spirit is not going to speak in opposition to the word because guess what? The spirit wrote the word. So the spirit is not going to lead me in opposition to what the word of God has to say. So if all of a sudden I feel I no longer want to forgive people. And I'm okay with that. Well, I'm sorry, but the Bible says you're supposed to forgive. Mm-hmm. So I don't care how much you feel you shouldn't. You're going to have to jettison that idea because the Scripture says that you're supposed to. And the Spirit wrote the Word. So he's not going to speak opposite of the Word. Everything you feel, you have to submit to the integrity of Scripture. And if you can find a confirmation there, then you can move forward. But you cannot have one person be pro-death and one be pro-life and say we're both being led by the Spirit. That doesn't work. There is absolute truth, and you're going to find that defined in the parameters of God's Word. See, that's what I was hoping in these articles I read. I would yeah. see them come to that, mm-hmm. and they never did. Isn't it amazing? Yeah. And I'm, I'm, saying, I'm thinking to myself, okay, so you're afraid you're going to turn off somebody who won't click and read your articles mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. And, and this, unfortunately, is, I think, part of a legacy of, of theology in the sense that we have – certain schools of thought or certain theological propositions that we use. You know this, Dave. You went to seminary, so you sometimes... Cemetery. Cemetery. You're given a book on hermeneutics, and it will tell you, okay, you use this book of hermeneutics as a tool to interpret the Bible. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, when the Bible says something plainly, what we do is we say, well, we just don't do that in our church. And so, like, like it says, for example, it says, Paul says, I wish that every man everywhere would lift up holy hands unto God. Uh-huh. But then it comes to maybe a denominational position, a denominational setting, and they'll say, we don't do that here. And that, in a way, gives a, an open door for people then in the church to say, well, the Bible says lift hands, but our church says you don't have to. The Bible says this about life, but I can hold a different opinion because, after all, that's what my church my church teaches me. So we're being taught. I don't think it's overtly. I think it's more subliminal, but we're being taught that even though the Bible says something, you don't have to do it that way because your, your denomination might teach you differently. And we've empowered people then to have a different opinion of what God's word says. And then if you try to hold them to that, they're going to say, no, wait a minute. The Bible also says don't forbid speaking in tongues, but you guys don't allow that in our church. So you're telling, you're saying one thing and doing another, and I'm saying one thing, and now you're telling me I can't do that. So now we have a hypocritical position we're trying to take, and we've lost the authority to, 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 um, to persuade our people to accept an absolute truth because we've taught something different than that. And then worse than that, we get enmity yep. between brothers and we sisters. Do. We do. All right. Let's take a break. We come back. I got a somebody just sent me a question. I was expecting this sooner than what it took, but they've sent it to us now, and that is incest and rape. Let's talk about that when we come back on the Dave Ellswick Show. 
I've got uh, Scott here, and he knows the question I'm going to ask. And this is probably one of the toughest ones that people are going to have to take uh, take on. I'm, I'm just going to let you know that right now. Uh, and I'll tell you what, the other side knows it is, and they'll always bring it up. It says, please talk about some of the biblical passages that have a bearing on pregnancies and abortion after rape or incest. Is Arkansas law too restrictive by making it illegal to get an abortion after rape and incest? Thanks. Okay. Um, well, there it is. Yeah. Um, and there is not a verse of scripture that says that after rape or incest, you can get an abortion. So, um, one of the most, um, clear verses of scripture is that when uh, a lady is pregnant and, um, she is actually knocked over by some, um, some men and she gives birth prematurely and the baby dies, uh, then you have the punishment for for that happening. So that is kind of a kind of one of the verses that would someone might think could apply towards the whole abortion thing, but it had nothing to do with rape or incest. But with, but if a child was caused to be born prematurely and it died uh, because someone else did something to the woman, there was there was punishment upon those people for doing for doing that. Because from right. God's perspective, you are you deserve to be punished for what you what you did. Now. When it comes to rape or incest, this is this is where um, it, lots of emotion, lots of pain, lots of violence has been perpetrated on on people. And let's just say from the very beginning that anything uh, like rape or incest is categorically wrong. The Bible condemns those things. It condemns uh, rape. It condemns uh, incest. And these things are not meant to uh, happen. So if you if we're going to go fully biblically at this. Then we also have to say, okay, if someone is is raped, uh, what needs to make sure what we, what we need to make sure happens is the person who did the raping is locked away. There needs to be there needs to be punishment upon the people who who did this, and um, we also have uh, laws against incest. So we need to make sure that those things also are in place. Now, when it comes to the to the baby, uh, regardless of what emotion, regardless of what um, we're feeling at the moment. Our feelings don't change fact. And this is where you have to start off with an absolute truth. If the Bible is absolute truth, then nothing external can affect that. And we as believers should be happy about that. For example, the Bible talks about the love of the love of Jesus, the love of Messiah for us. It said, what can separate us from the love of Christ? That's right. Can height or depth or it, it lists all these things. Um, and the, the Bible is, says nothing, nothing can affect that. Nothing external can affect the truth of God's love for us. And nothing can external affect God's truth in his word about the sanctity of uh, the child. So the child here is the innocent, um, the innocent. The woman, if she's been raped, she's also the innocent. So we need to make sure that our anger is focused where properly at the one who did the, the raping, and he should, should be um, obviously punished for that. But in that situation, there is not a biblical, um, uh, there's not a verse of scripture that, that permits killing the child for uh, these terrible situations. Well, the child is completely innocent. Completely innocent. And it's alive. So to kill something that's alive is uh, is indeed murder. So what should happen in a situation like that is that um, the, the pregnancy should be carried to term, birth should be allowed, and then the mother is 
perfectly free to give the child up for um, adoption at that point if um, if she so decides not to carry carry through it. And I can see a lot of ladies not wanting to to keep the child. And but that's what that's there for. But you don't you don't kill the innocent because some pervert did something bad, right? And and even though there was there was horrible immorality and horrible violence involved in it, you don't kill the innocent uh, because of what someone else did. So, but now this is where the churches have to step up and begin to be there for people that go through this. And you and I were talking during the break, you know, for all these years, the church has abdicated to the state, the church's responsibilities. Yeah. Um, And, or I could say it this way, the church, the state took them away from the church and the church hasn't fought to get them back. Um, Let's not forget that education used to be the function of the church. The first schools in America were the the church. The first teachers in America were the pastors. The first school books in America were the Bibles. Uh And the state came in and said, we'll do that. And it took it away from us. And we've, a few churches have fought to get that back, our church being one of those. But for the most part, the church has abdicated that. When it comes to taking care of the of, of the homeless and those in need, the church has abdicated because the government came in and said, we'll take care of that. Mm-hmm. And so when the same thing has happened here with uh, with um, with women who have gone through these things. And so the church has to step up and take the responsibility. Now, we've been without this responsibility for a long time, so it's going to take the churches a while to get used to um, – to live in this way, you know, when I lived in in Scotland for those uh, eleven years, uh, the pastor lived in what is called in Scottish we call it a manse, and and um, I didn't have a manse, but but um, most your denominations, the pastor had what's called a manse. Today we call it a parsonage, right? But it wasn't just a parsonage in the sense we have in America. A manse was a house. That was probably two or three times too big for your family. Mm-hmm. In other words, you lived in a little a little mansion, and the reason for that is because any vagrant, any homeless, any hungry walking down the street was supposed to be able to look and see the house of the minister and be able to go there and find a bed and food for the night. So your house is always larger than what you needed for your family. Because you didn't know who's going to show up. You didn't know who's going to show up. You were meant to be hospitable. And that's baked into the very culture of the, um, of the, uh, of the, of the society and within the government. You know, and in living in Scotland, I, as a minister, I was given certain tax breaks. Even in America, this is true. Ministers are given what's called a housing allowance. We're given these things because we're meant – for our homes to be places of help and refuge and habitation for people. Now it's kind of gone away from its original purpose. But this is kind of the idea behind it. You're going to have a break, a tax break, if you will, because you're meant to be servicing the community in this way. But the government keeps taking more and more authority out of our life and unfortunately it's taking more and more authority away from the churches and we've forgotten what our role in society is is supposed to be. But taking care of um, women with... Um, these violent acts done to them is certainly one of those things. Yeah, that's where I'm going to say it's it's good for men to step up in in those. But I'm going to think that uh, perhaps that more is directed towards the offender, and the women are going to work with the women who have been the victim. Yes, yeah, and I think in America we have to we have to you know stop trying to give excuses to the people who do who do what is wrong. And I think that we've, 
you know, in order for all this to be fixed, there's a lot of things that have to kind of fall in place. Because now, you know, we're coming to a place in the, in the states where people are saying, well, yeah, he raped. That's just because he just um, he, he he couldn't help himself. And so they, yeah. they excuse she him. She was dressed. Did you see the way she was dressed? Uh, right. Yeah, that used to be a, a defense. Oh, Not it? anymore. Oh. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. Uh, and uh, that it's it's interesting when you talk to people about this mm-hmm. uh, it's really interesting to hear what people have to say about how the church should respond to the people outside the church uh, and find themselves in a situation they don't want to be in whether rape incest or because they're their own gullibility and in getting involved sexually with somebody mm-hmm. uh, i think that hopefully pastors will talk to uh the uh uh, state reps, state senators. I'd like to see a law that says that if a woman uh, finds herself pregnant, uh, that paternity has to be declared, and whoever it is that is the father is responsible for taking care of that child as well. I would agree. I think that would be super. Yeah, that would that would go a long way to taking some of the burden off the taxpayer because, hey, look, if you're responsible enough to, quote, have sex with somebody and know what could happen because if you have sex with somebody, then you should be responsible enough to take care of what you've created. That's right. And um, garnish wages if you have to to make yeah. sure that, that, that that's, that's done that's done correctly. I'm, I'm, all ab- I'm all about that. Now, when I talk about garnishment, that doesn't mean that you can take all the money away from the other person because they got to have something to live on. And because if they work and there's nothing to live on, then they'll just stop working. But you should have to. And, and if you're living on government assistance, some of that assistance should go to the woman then. Yep, absolutely. I mean, I really, I really believe in those things. I mean, there's got to be accountability. Well, if you ha- if you can have action with no without any responsibility attached to it, then you get the rampant mess that we have in the world today. Yeah, I mean, you you know, you heard the thing about the Twinkie defense. You know, where well, I, I ate too many Twinkies and I had a sugar rush, so I went out and killed somebody. Yeah. Oh, you're okay. I was reading an article a few years ago, <laughs> and um, it was a, a a picnic for this company, and for whatever reason, one of the dumb ideas that they had was they were they were all they were going to have this race, and they had to attach a refrigerator to their back, an empty refrigerator, and they had to run with this refrigerator on their back to complete this course. And a guy was running with it, and it wasn't a refrigerator company picnic; it was just something. Yeah. That going. And they the guy was running with the refrigerator. He f- fell, hurt his back. He sues the refrigerator company <laughs> and wins. Yeah. So as long as you have a as long as you have a justice system like this, uh, then we are, are it's not going to be easy just to just to fix the situation. You got to have people responsible for their own stupidity at the end of the day. Then last but not least, let's talk about the person who's spirit filled. And you know, even if you're spirit filled, the world is going to to fall on you at times. It rains on the good and the evil. Yeah. And uh, if you find yourself in this terrible situation of rape or incest you know what do you do at that point if you're spirit-led you've got to allow uh to believe in what the bible says that even something evil happens god can use it for good Mm -hmm. and you've got to be willing to have the faith to do that Mm -hmm. but then 
the people who are in the church have to rally around that person to help them be able to accept that. That's right. It's called community, and it's something that we have to we have to get back to, as opposed to just a revolving door of a church and punching your ticket and getting out as fast as you can. This is a new lifestyle we have to learn to live. All of us need to understand, man. You know, God calls us to live out the things that He taught. Absolutely. That's what. That's why we're here. We're His hands and feet on this earth. That's that's the bottom line. All right. Twelve minutes before uh, eight, we got to get our final break in. I got uh, Scott here uh, from over at Agape. He is the uh, senior pastor there. Uh, you can visit them for service on Sundays. They get going at what ten? Ten o'clock. Yeah. Ten o'clock. All right. More coming up in just a moment on the Dave Ellswick Show. We're going to finish up now. Nine minutes until uh, eight o'clock. Uh, Scott is here from Scott Stewart. He's pastor, senior pastor over at Agape Church. And uh, if you've never been there, great church to go to. If you're looking for a church home, you might want to stop by and check it out on a Sunday. Or if you're uh, uh, not hesitant, on Saturdays at 1, they have Hebraic uh, worship service. And if you if you believe that the Judeo uh in christians should be back in where it belongs and you can go and celebrate with them that's right that's at uh, one o'clock pastor steve uh, leads that uh, leads that service is what we call our messianic service Tell so yeah that's just something to to keep in mind it really is i uh i'm i'm getting ready with the help of scott and steve and billy to to write a book mm-hmm. uh, about christmas and uh, what does the bible really say about Christmas and uh, you know Steve is really good on this he 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 uh, he kept up on uh, you can look at when uh, Elizabeth who carried John mm-hmm. uh, when she was pregnant when Mary was pregnant and her husband held a high office a priestly office and you can figure out when Christ when when the the uh, the when Jesus was, Jesus was uh, uh, Mary started carrying Jesus. Yeah. And you can figure nine months later when he's probably born. That's correct. And it ain't December 25th. It is not. No. <laughs> <laughs> so it doesn't – look, I'm going to – I'm – not going to say you gotta you got to go back and uh, do tabernacles, okay? But I'm going to say this: you got to you got to put Christmas in its proper perspective. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, it is not. And I'm going to tell you, it is not. Even though you think it is, it's not a religious per se um, situation. Mm. It's a pagan thing that, that came around. Uh, that we remember Christ's birth, that's the good thing out of it. Yeah. yeah. All right? And we remember the scriptures from Luke and and whatever. But uh, I just don't know if it's what God wants us to celebrate. If I'm not mistaken, I think that um, when the country was founded, it was actually illegal to celebrate Christmas. Uh, the uh, – oh, who was it? The um, Puritans? The Puritans, yeah. They didn't celebrate Christmas. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely did not, you know. And uh, and it was just because of all the, you know, the the paganism that had entered into the whole thing. Yeah, not the commercialism. Right now, you can look at the commercialism and say, "Do we want to celebrate <laughs> Christmas?" Anyway? But uh, yeah, the paganism uh, part of it, and that came from Constantine. And uh, you got to understand a little bit of the history of the church and things of that nature to look at it. I mean, I I wrote some great papers back when I was in seminary about uh, Aquinas. 
uh, about Natacoin, I suppose, about, um, let me think, uh, Tertullian and some of the early church fathers. And I could see when I was writing them that they were already struggling with losing the truth of, of the faith. Whenever you start off with a completely Jewish faith that the the God of the Hebrews has sent the Jewish Messiah to the land of Israel, so obviously everything about um, Messiah and our faith is Judaic, and then you then you then it's exported outside the land of Israel, and then now the church has grown exponentially. Uh, a hundred times more than what it was in the beginning, but all the growth has been, for the most part, among the Gentile nations. You're mm-hmm. flooded with everybody from everywhere bringing every idea in. Then that's a that's a battle. It's you know if you're a pastor out there, if you have a church, even if your church is on the smaller side, you know you got to deal with people coming from all kinds of backgrounds, all kinds of upbringings. You get them together, you already have issues there about how you're going to bring all these people into one way of thinking about things well it's interesting i mean i just you watch when we do when we we have uh, you know the lord's supper on a sunday and the pastor says at the end of their after at the end of their meal it was at the end of the passover all right that's what it was the end of mm-hmm. they they didn't head out down to the local restaurant and order all kinds of different food and sat down and were eating together. I mean, they were they were having Passover. And uh, the loaf and then the cup at the end were the very most important part of that meal is, is what, they, what, uh, what Christ was saying. He didn't change it. He just said, hey, look, you thought this was all about getting out of Egypt? I'm telling you it wasn't. That's right. That's right. I'm taking you out of Egypt again. Amen. Amen. You know, that's just, uh, I don't know why we don't want to teach that. We're, we're, we're more into the tradition than we are into the uh, into the, the context of the Scripture. And I know I, I, I can hear brothers, all right, they get upset with me when I say this stuff. I, and there's others that are saying amen, all right? Yeah. But there's others saying, but you don't understand. Yes, I do understand. Yeah, that's the issue. You do I under, understand. I do understand. I understand that you're afraid sometimes to teach things because you're afraid that it's going to maybe turn off one of your biggest donors. Oh, gosh. You know what I mean? I, I understand that. But where's your faith lie? Is it mm-hmm. in the donor or is it in Christ? Yeah, yeah. That's that's where you got to make your mind up. That's on. where the rubber's going to meet the road. Where, yeah. you know, we cannot live with the fear of man. The fear of man has caused too many compromises in the church. So it's time to get back to fearing the one true and only God. I mean, I personally, and i got a minute to say this, that uh, Pastor Scott has paid the price about that. All right. When he came to uh, Agape, uh, you know, he said, we're going to get back to Hebraic things. Mm. And some people left because of it. They did. But you know what? For all the people that left, people replaced them. Mm-hmm. that wanted to know the truth and that's great on you and praise god and you and you you've you've stood for the lord and you know i i count myself happy to have you as a friend praise god thank you so much david and i you All thank right. you sir let's take a break till next tuesday hopefully <laughs> steve and billy will be able be able to be with us as well and we'll take up some more topics uh if you ever have a question for the bible guys and we get them by email uh send them to bible guys at 
Salem, L-R, S-A-L-E-M-L-R, dot com. I'm Dave Ellswick. I'll be back with you at 9. I got a special guest for you. State Representative Robin Lundstrom will be in studio with me. I voted her the last two sessions of the state legislator, legislature as being the number one conservative in the House. We'll talk to her starting at 9 o'clock. Give me your eyes so I can see everything that I keep missing. Give me your love for humanity. Give me your arms for the brokenhearted, the ones that are far beyond my reach. Give me your heart for the ones forgotten. Give me your eyes so I can see. Give me your eyes. All right, 9 o'clock, I'm back on the air, and uh, I've been telling you that I had a special guest today, and we've got State Representative Robin Lundstrom with us. And let me, in all transparency, this is the lady that I've, been t- I've tell- told you about. You've heard her on my show before, but I've talked about I think that she was the best conservative for the last two sessions well, in the House. You do great work. Well, thank you. It's a team effort. Well, I understand that. Okay, now I understand that, and the and the the female Republicans have done great work for the Republican Party. They have. You guys and have really stepped it up, and some things that you knew needed to be brought forth. And I don't know, guys over there were just didn't do it. You guys did it, and well, you did and, good. And the guys had our backs, and everybody pulled together, and we were on the same boat rowing this last session, and it was it was awesome. And the session before, I mean, it's just a a good we fielded a good team all right so i found out something about you that i did not know Uh uh-oh you got a doctorate i do in what health sciences really i see i did not even know that (laughs) scary told me that it was i think it was uh it was clark alan clark who told me that yeah so yeah. do I? Do you want me to call you Doc? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be happy to. I, I answered a hey problem. you, so hey it's you. fine. Okay, all right. Well, that's good. Here's what I like about Robin. She puts on no air. She comes on and, and tells it like it is. Wow. Julie Mayberry does the same thing. Mary Bentley does the same thing. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the that's the kind of that's the kind of uh, folks that I want leading us in this state. Here, here is the problem. Here's what we need to do. Here's what I'm suggesting. Now let's let's make it happen. And I like that. I like that a lot. We've got a lot of good business people that just work their jobs and come down here as citizen legislators and then go back home, which okay. is what you want. Well, the first time that you sat in the studio with me, typically we've done this over at the Capitol. By the way, I will be back at the Capitol this this session yay yeah i'll be back at the capitol it's important it is for everybody to know what's going on and that's mm-hmm. what we did we we allow people to come right on after they've had a heated debate on the floor or whatever and it's fun to to do that i'm, I'm also i'm going to have lunch tomorrow with somebody and uh, they're going to join me kind of as a co-host and oh. i'll tell you off air who it's going to okay. be all right or who deal. i hope it's going to be so with, with that said 
Look, here's where we're sitting right now, as I see it as a Republican Party. When I got here in 2000, we had four Republicans in the House and we had one in the Senate. Now we control the House and we control the Senate. We control all the constitutional offices in the state. And and that's something to squawk about, I'll be honest with you. Uh, we've had a uh, the first time in the history of the state that we've had a Republican governor uh, serve two terms. Yes, he did. And, uh, you know, I've had my... My druthers with Asa, but I think Asa Hutchinson, and some people disagree with me on this, but I do think that he was the perfect candidate to bridge between Democrat rule moving to Republican rule. A, a good transition. Yeah, because yeah. If, if we hadn't had him and we had just gone, you know, kind of, you know, full speed ahead, some people would got scared about what was happening sure because our thoughts are not democrats thoughts no it's, it's but a, the, the squawking we need to be real careful it's it's it, now we have to deliver we're the dog that caught the car that's right so now we have to deliver yeah we're flop we flopped around a little bit because we had a hold of the tire but now we've gotten hold of the car itself so we're running right alongside it and going to make some good things happening uh senator alan uh, clark on my show last week said that he believed this session coming up in January will be the most conservative session ever in the history of the legislature of Arkansas. I believe Alan is right. And I think we the, the biggest thing we can do is be quiet statesmen and look at what the budget is now and where we want to be in 10 years and where we want to be in Arkansas in 10 years. And we need to think forward as much as possible. All right. So $1.4 billion sitting mm-hmm. in rainy day fund. Uh, Alan Clark uh, Julie uh, Mayberry has made the statement to me as well on the air that perhaps now we might want to sit on that money just to see what's going to happen with the economy of the United States. I think that's true. I think we also need to look at where do we want to be. I, I, I am a big property rights person. Where do we want to be as far as property rights? Um, do we need to lower the income tax? Yes, I think people look at that when they look at what states they want to move to. But I also think it's important you have the right to own your own home, the dirt between your toes. I get asked that question of you because I, I think it's a good question. Should there be a time in a person's life where they've bought a house, they've lived in it all their life or whatever, and suddenly you get to a point and the state says, you know what, you don't have to pay tax on that property any longer. You own it. For now you can have it. Do you think that we need to get there? I think we should be there. What is more American than owning your own home? But I'm not saying when you're 60, I'm saying you should have the right to own your own home, your own car. Um, that's also a way to pass on wealth for everybody. Mm-hmm. And my concern is when you, it's also the most difficult tax to collect. It's the most expensive tax to collect. Every county has a tax collector. Every county has an assessor. You also have all those folks you have to employ. Um, and collecting that tax is very difficult. We can still fund schools. Maybe we lower the income tax a little less and we get rid of the property tax. The cost of collecting that tax makes that tax, the return on investment, very low. So it's not a really wise investment in the beginning, so it doesn't profit us much. 
So have you started talking to people about this? Sure. I've talked to people every single session about they, this. This is a personal pet peeve. You freak them out, don't you? Yeah, every single time. <laughs> every single time. I can see that. But we can dedicate funds to schools and education. That's a no-brainer. But collecting property taxes is really a wasted exercise man i hope that you can get that to, to come to, yeah. to come to fruition i don't know if that would ever i don't know if i'm tilting at windmills but everybody has their pet peeve yeah i tell i tell people that and they get upset when i say you're tilting at a windmill i don't think you are i think people are starting to have appetites for really cutting taxes not revenue neutral all right. I didn't even like that term because mm-hmm. all that means is you're going to take this tax away and you're going to add four more taxes somewhere else. Sure. I don't want that to happen. I want to get I want the people of this state to have their own money again. Correct. Now, to be able to do that, you also have to have a, a, a diet of cutting government. Right. We can't spend money on everything. Are they ready to are they ready do you think on the Republican side to actually do some cuts? I think they are. I think they are, but I think they also have to be we have to be realistic. We have to quit doing new programs. Mhm. Um we just have to put ourselves on a diet. But it is possible. It is possible. It's not going to be radical. It's got to be a little measured, but 2, 3%, 5%, that's doable. I won't say who the who the uh, representative was that was on my show, but somehow we got kind of sideways, and he, and he basically looked at him and said, well, if you were governor, Dave, what would you do? And I said, I'd cut uh, government spending by 10% across the board. And you would have thought that I had said that Jesus was really Satan because he wanted to have, he was going to have a heart attack right there in front of me. And... I'm just telling you, there's enough money floating around that you can make a 10% cut sure. in state there's government. There's always money to cut. We just have to take care of the things that the highways, the the, yeah. the basics. Yeah, you got it. I mean, there's. I guess it comes down to, and you tell me if you think I'm right. You, you got to make up your mind what is the philosophy that you follow for what is government about. Yeah, what's the basic function of government yes and, and then and and start from there do you find that that uh, some people know and other people are still searching i do and and i also find it sometimes it's heartstrings it's an emotional decision when when you never you can't make look, a, deci- a decision emotionally no it that'll bite you every single time and that's hard to do yeah i, I agree with you all right my guest for this hour is State Representative Robin Lundstrom. I'm, I'm happy to have her here. Thank I'm, you. I'm, it's going to be a, it's going to be a very wide open discussion. I'll guarantee you that. We're going to touch on a lot of issues that are going to come up in January. We're going to have a brand new governor. We're going to have about a brand new one third of the state government that's mm-hmm. going to be seated in the House and the Senate. Uh, it's going to be a lot more conservative, and there's going to be some interesting things that are going to happen. We'll discuss it when we get back uh, here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Let me uh, remind you about David Lucas. David Lucas wants to teach you how to buy silver and gold. Uh, we've had several people on now with this inflationary period that we're in who have told you to protect your nest egg. You probably should have about 15% of your nest egg now converted into silver or gold but how do you go about buying it 
you know, there's rules about buying it. There's there's different ways of buying it. Do you buy it in certificates? Do you buy it, you want it in really in the precious metal? How do you want to do it? Well, that's where David Lucas Financial comes in. They're going to tell you how to do that kind of stuff. They're going to teach you about buying silver and gold. They work with one of, uh, one of only uh, one regulated and licensed national wholesaler in the country, so you get a direct price from a dealer that you can trust. Here's what you do. Call this number, 501-222-3315. That's 501-222-3315. And... Uh, Ask what time that you can sit down and talk about this. You know, don't let 1970s style inflation destroy your retirement. Investment advisory services are offered through David Lucas Financial, an Arkansas registered investment advisor. I'm back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show, and uh, we will... uh, uh, get back to our conversation, State Representative Robin Lundstrom here on uh, the Dave Ellswick Show. On Friday, one of the more monumental historic decisions were made by the U.S. Supreme Court in that they overturned Roe v. Wade in the Casey decision. And now uh, abortion goes back to the states. And we make our minds up about how we want that to happen. Of course, we had a trigger law ready to go. And my, my uh, again, thanks to uh, State Senator Jason Rapert for the great work he has done as a state uh, senator here in, uh, in Arkansas. Uh, a lot of people don't like him, and that's okay. That's okay. He pushed, and he pulled, and he cajoled, and he told people uh, that they they had to stand up, and we had to move forward on life. We have. We're the most pro-life state in the union now, and that's nothing to be ashamed of. You should be very, very proud of that. But with that said, uh, people are bringing up a a lot of uh, hate-mongering, and a lot of things are being said. Uh, Lord knows... uh, after what the Supreme Court decided, you'd, we'd think that, uh, you know, uh, gay marriage was going to go the way of the dodo bird and, and, and all kinds of other things are going are to be overturned. And uh, the left is basically saying what we're going to do is we're going to end up back in medieval times. Right. That's I, what they say. I can't believe the fear mongering. I think it's been a great week for the Constitution. Yes. It actually says what's not enumerated goes back to the states. It's called federalism. I know. And Ruth Bader Ginsburg <laughs> was right. Yeah, she was all about I, it, too. I, she, she understood. It, Clarence Thomas was right. Wait a second. This Constitution is kind of important. Yeah. And and all they did was enforce the Constitution mm-hmm. and send it back to the states. They did not take away abortion rights. No. They, they just put not. it back on the legislators' shoulders. And yes, we have a trigger bill, but that doesn't stop the morning after pill. That's still, if you don't have a positive pregnancy test, the morning after pill works. Um, I think it's important that we have a discussion about birth control. And nice. it would be an adult conversation. Um, I, I think it's important. People seem to be having this meltdown and seem to be some of the members of the press seem to be wanting to have a meltdown and encourage it. And let's just get a little more gas and throw it on the fire and Mm -hmm. see if we can make an explosion happen. I think that's really disingenuous so much for facts. Um, It it frustrates me as a woman that we're, we're saying, wait a second, we can't think. 
we can't make decisions. Oh, yes, we can. We can decide when we choose to have sexual intercourse. We can choose what type of birth control we use. Abortion is not birth control. Birth control is prevention of the sperm and egg from coming together. Right. Um, abortion, obviously, the sperm and egg have already come together and there's a baby. It's a totally different human being. So it, I, I went on the Planned Parenthood site and they list all the different types of birth control. Then I went on Mayo Clinic site, and they list all the different times. It all kind of matches up. Mm-hmm. So it, there are lots of different choices for a lot of different health issues that a woman can have, and a lot of different. And there's also you can say no, but we need to have adult conversations with our teenagers. So, oh, what about teen pregnancy? We need to have that conversation. Well, let me tell you what: I raised four boys, and I raised four girls, and I had that conversation with all eight of them Mm -hmm. because it's not just a girl thing it's a boy thing as well sure and if if you're sending the message that well if you're a guy you know you're supposed to go out and and you're supposed to sow your wild oats you're sending the wrong message Message. that's right right? that's bottom line you're so you're, you're you don't talk about women in a derogatory way no to your sons that's exactly correct. My, and the other issue that I think is coming up, and I think it's it's almost cruel, is this, oh, what about rape? Wait a second. Arkansas ha- passed a Victims of Crime Act many years ago, 30, almost 40 years ago, where a rape victim, if they go to the emergency room, all of their health issues are taken care of. That rape victim is taken care of. Um, my first job out of graduate school was working in the emergency rooms in Tulsa. I worked at three different emergency rooms, mm-hmm. and I did the education program as well. And the youngest rape victim I've ever worked with is 18 months. The oldest was 72. I've also worked with male rape victims. So it's a cruel crime. And I've I been there. I personally think it should be punished by death. <laughs> I mean, sir, I'm, I, look, it, I've, got, I've got daughters who were molested by their fathers, okay? They're my, my stepchildren. I don't look at them that way. They're my kids. And the, what they went through, I, I, I sat through therapy with them and all kinds of stuff. And I can tell you this, that never goes away. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I just personally think it's time to call a spade a spade, one bullet is all it takes for me, as far as I'm concerned. I, I wasn't a big death penalty person until that 18-month-old, and I was in the emergency room. And I cried all the way home, thinking, okay, I'm all in. Yeah. I'm all in. I, I, can, I That did it for me. I don't understand why people don't. If Look, if somebody cannot play well in society, why should the taxpayers be burdened with taking care of them for the rest of their lives? I don't understand that. I'll never understand that. And uh, I think that you can sign yourself out from society as far as I'm concerned. Well, we need to have a discussion that the women of Arkansas and and any rape victim, I don't care what, where you go with that, that Arkansas takes care of our victims, everything. It yeah, you carry matter. that with the rest of your life. Right. I'm just and that includes you. the 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 counseling that they need. We have rape advocacy centers, and they need to go to the hospital to start the process. I okay. know that sounds horrible, but that starts the healing process. You move from victim to survivor. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it comes to incest, 
we need to have that discussion and we need to act. If there is an incest victim, that means there's a perpetrator. So Thank we need to have that much. discussion. And it's not necessarily that we have an abortion. That isn't the child. That's, that child's That's a victim, too. That's the innocent victim. That's the innocent victim. Um, so, and the other thing we need to talk about, there's a lot of misinformation um, right now going around that somehow we're going to prosecute the mother, and that is not the case. Um, a treatment for an eptopic pregnancy is not an abortion. That's a loss of a child. Mm-hmm. So we're scaring mothers for no reason. Um, the treatment for a miscarriage that's not an abortion. That's a miscarriage. That's the loss of a child that's and a right. grieving mother. Um, the treatment for a septic uterus is an abortion. That's the loss of a child and a mother that's losing her infertile, that's going to be infertile. Um, the difference between losing a child and murdering a child, that's a big difference. So we have, we have members of the media right now that are choosing to terrify moms and parents, and that's wrong. Um, it yeah, was supposed don't believe to be, everything you read no. on the Internet. I'm just telling you. <laughs> well, it was started out as supposed to be safe and legal, and it's gotten to be a form of birth and control. Rare. 60 million. Yeah. 60 million. We've lost nations. Yeah. And that's wrong. And what has happened is Planned Parenthood and the ACLU and all these actors overplayed their hand. Had they went along with these states that said abortion at 14 weeks, that type of thing and not challenged it, it probably would have stayed at that. And so in the long run, it ended up probably being the best decision. Send it back to the states closest to the people and the people can have an impact. And I think we'll see better outcomes. All right. You understand why I like her so much. We'll be back to talk further with State Representative Robin Lund here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about East End Towing. They are ready to help you out if you find yourself on the side of the road. You need a tow. Use their number, 501-888-8849. That's 501-888-8849. And one of the big things they've been pushing this summer is that if you see those yellow flashing lights on the side of the road, move to the other side of the road as you're driving down it so that you give plenty of room to the people who are working to get a car up on a truck or whatever, and uh, nobody gets hurt. That's East End Towing. Again, their number, 501-888-8849. Our guest uh, is uh, State Representative Robin Lundstrom, one of the better uh, conservatives uh, in the state legislature, and it's good to have her with us here in the studio today. We've got a lot more to talk about. And uh, we started talking about the abortion ruling that occurred on uh, last Friday, and where does that leave us here as the state of Arkansas? Uh, If you heard the 7 o'clock hour, I had uh, Scott Stewart on, the uh, head uh, pastor at Agape Church, and we talked about what does this ruling mean for the church. And I'll tell you what it means. It means that now we got to do what we're supposed to do, and that's take care of uh, of people that find themselves at in disadvantaged positions they don't want to be in at times. So uh, let's talk about uh, when you all get back together in January. Uh, I know that you probably have been caucusing already. Maybe you've been talking about some of the things that I'm going to bring up. How about adoption? Are we going to try to make adoption easier and less costly in the state of Arkansas? Yes. Um, adoption is one of the issues that we're going to be looking at. Um, DHS, some of the issues with DHS, because it is so, um, it, has, it is cumbersome. 
and difficult. And part of that is we've asked a lot of DHS over the years, and we keep adding to their responsibilities. There may be areas of DHS where we need to limit and partner. Um, Cross Church in Springdale is now partnering with DHS to help them with adoption and foster care. And other churches may want to look at doing that, too. What's that organization? Is it CARE or, uh, that uh, deals with adoption and, and being a, a, a parent of uh, kids that are find themselves in uh, in the oh, state. I can't I'm think drawing of a blank right now. Right now. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, see, we need more of that. Yes. And um, children's home. We we used to have state adoption or state orphanages. We may need to go back to that where there's a safe place for a child to go um, in the interim. If there isn't a, a family or there isn't a foster home, we may have to go back to that. That sounds cruel, but do you really want them to stay in a home that's not safe? Mm-hmm. And um, I immediately got a phone call right after this happened that uh, a woman who had a, a drug baby, the baby was in a horrible situation, almost starved to death, was taken out of her care. Now she's had a second baby. Again, the second baby's taken out of her care, and she's pregnant with a third. Um at, at some point, you know, that's that's a serious situation. I, I don't know what we do that. How do we handle that? That's that's, that's where a judge is going to have to That's where a in. judge is going to have to have a very big decision, and that's a very difficult decision to make. But we can't continue down that road. Um, so there's a lot of big boy and big girl decisions that are coming our way. This is just the beginning. It's not the end. And we, we can cheer for about 30 minutes or an hour, and then we're going to have to roll up our sleeves mm-hmm. in our churches and us as legislators. Um, this is only the beginning. Well, so. I know that you have faced the ire of the left. I have faced it for years, and I've always heard uh, from the left when you talk about abortion and wanting to get rid of abortion they go yeah that's all you care about is the unborn child you don't care about the born child which is not true uh, but there's a lot more that we've got to do to make sure that those kids are taken care of sure every step of the way and and some of it is whether it's education or um, whether it's sex trafficking you know we've, we've got a serious issue with sex trafficking and it's something that a lot of people don't like to talk about is it's uncomfortable. But well, we've got a president that's allowing people to bring kids from down south across our borders. And what do you think most of those kids are going to end up in? Sure. And and it's something that we have. It's it's happening right here in Arkansas. Um, the grooming bill that we passed this last time. Um, I work directly with the FBI and ask a lot of questions about what's going on with grooming and how early does it start. And our FBI in Arkansas is doing an amazing job with their Victims of Crime Unit, with children and sex trafficking, stopping sex trafficking. Um, They've been recognized across the country for how diligent they are. I remember when David Meeks was state representative, and he worked uh, very, very closely with folks uh, dealing with sex uh, trafficking and one of the things they told me that had to happen is there had to be some form of training for local police mm-hmm. to understand when a kid gets arrested and you think they're in the prostitution when in fact they're being trafficked right right that's that's something that they got to be able to identify and that is happening we ask a lot of our police officers they they do so much more 
than they ever did 30, 40, 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. It's a much more sophisticated law enforcement is now than it ever has been. And have to be. And have to be. Yeah, they just have to be. All right, so uh, let's go back and and we talked a little bit about this before we came on the air. Mm -hmm. And we need to talk about it now. I am of the opinion, I'll see where you stand on this, uh, that if you're a young man or a middle-aged man, I don't know, mm-hmm. whatever man you are, and you impregnate a woman uh, and uh, you think you can just walk away, that shouldn't be allowed. I think paternity must be established when there's a, a pregnancy involved, and then that uh, that adult needs to take care of that child, mm-hmm. period. Yes. Um, my freshman term, I actually went to BLR, to the Bureau of Legislative Research, is who we can all be thankful for. They're the quiet servants that keep us from screwing up people all over the state. Okay. And they are attorneys that make sure and protect the people of Arkansas's rights. And they make sure that the bills that, that are drafted, they draft the bills, um, make sure that they line up legally with the current laws. Um, so they keep us out of the ditches, so to speak. So that's who the Bureau of Legislative Research is. Um, and in short, BLR. So I went to BLR and met with the attorney that handles reproductive issues and said, what if we had a bill that just said if you impregnate somebody and it's on that birth certificate whether you're married or not you have to pay for the next 18 years child support Mm -hmm. and she looked at me and just thought oh my word we've got a live one here (laughs) (laughs) we've got one that escaped (laughs) and she said i i think why is that such a hard reach for people i i think it's because it's and I said, we can even put things in the bill that if you falsely accuse, you know, we, we have DNA now. We, that, we, can, yeah. we can figure out who's who and what's what. Um, men have rights, too. They ought to have to know. They ought to know if they sired a child. That's I mean, they, true. They have, and it, it takes two to tango. Um, I agree. And they can use birth control. The women can use birth control. Um, so if entrapments, you know, we can put some things in the, the laws as well. But you kind of know if you're doing things you know what you're up to Mm -hmm. so but if you sire a child on friday night on monday morning why is the taxpayer paying for this for the next 18 years i I agree wholeheartedly and it would probably send a pretty strong message and we but the problem is now we have a lot of deadbeat spouses on either side that we have to deal with as well so it it just went down so many rabbit holes and as a freshman I decided that's probably not where I need. I need to learn to walk before I run, and I need to slow down and figure out where the bathroom is first before right. I start a dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. And I decided to slow down and just figure out what so was going on first. So how many terms is it going to be this time? This is my fourth term right now. Fourth term. Mm-hmm. Okay. So eight years. Yeah. That you, that you have, how much do you have left? Um, I can serve a total of 16. I don't know that I will go that long. Okay. Um, I think probably a term or two and i'm done mm-hmm. um, it just depends it depends on the voters i mean every two years they can vote you out that's correct i mean we have term limits it's every two years and Haven't i have an opponent this time you. they well, like what you do so far my district has had my back but um i've kind of stayed in the non i've not been i don't think too radical i've, I've my big focus has been taxes and a lot of the stuff i run is not very exciting some of sometimes i 
get one or two bills that seem to draw a lot of headlines, but mm-hmm. everything else has been kind of quiet and conservative. Well, you know what it is, is that you're not afraid to take on an issue if it is controversial. No, that's never been an issue. If it's good if it's good legislative work, it's good legislative work. Well, I got some advice a long time ago. If it's good policy, mm-hmm. it's going to be good politics. It's got to be good and right. It's not worth running. All right. So has, I hate saying, you know, I, I hate to just kind of assume that Sarah's going to be a, a elected, but I'm going to assume. Well, we can hope. Yeah. That, I, that is my hope. Okay. That she'll be elected. So let's say she's, she's governor. She'll be the first, she'll be the first female governor. Yes. She'll be the first back-to-back Republican governor. Yes. Uh, if that happens. And uh, have her people been talking to the the caucus about kind of some of the things they want to lean into? She has been talking privately, um, and I don't want to put words in her mouth at all. Um, I will say she's been diligently spending her time running for office because you don't want to assume. It's my sincere hope that she wins. So she's, she's doing two things that I think are really smart. She is aggressively running for office, and she is aggressively preparing should she win day one she can be the governor that she wants to be and have her agenda now well, you i can't got speak to, if to you her agenda in november you got to be ready to be doing stuff you got to right. hit the ground running you don't have from december from november to the january one to get no. ready you'd better be ready all along mm-hmm. and and i think she is diligently doing that and spending her time wisely okay let's take our final break then we'll come back and finish up our conversation we're almost through an hour it doesn't take long no it doesn't we'll sit here and we got we got more to talk about but we're not going to be able to cover everything in this hour on the dave ellswick show don't forget about billy mack and what he's doing for you with icu protection i signed up a billy mack a couple of months ago i love it i was looking at my phone just a minute ago and uh, there's this crazy squirrel right now that's running across my driveway and it turns on the camera every time he runs across the driveway so i've been watching the squirrel do his thing for the last hour been interesting to see that but that's how good these motion detectors and cameras are and they're 1080 or 1090p pardon me so that uh, it's very very clear as i always tell you it doesn't look like a an old a and e's uh you know playback of a murder that happened 20 years ago and you know the people kind of glow in the in on the the video and you can't make out who they really are you just know it's a person uh not the case with these cameras you can see who it is so if you want cameras hey billy mack and i see you has them for you uh get the door and window sensors they've got the uh, motion detection as well and the analytics which is a true detection it'll tell you if it's a person an animal a car or whatever it is when it sends you an update also you call them at 501-205-1333 you pay for the service but you don't pay for the hardware that's right those cameras and the sensors and all the rest those are yours they belong to you they don't belong to billy mack and icu protection go with the folks that do uh, nuke one that's icu protection all right rob i had a question just a moment ago i went over and and uh, talked to a gentleman on the phone and he had a legitimate question mm-hmm. um i'm going to ask it i think i can ask it a lot clearer and and straight through than what he could state it by. 
But we, I appreciate the call, by the way. What do we do if we do do this paternity thing, mm-hmm. all right? And we find out uh, you're the father of this child, and you're going to be asked to pay to take care of that child for next how many years? Uh, bottom line is, how do you make sure that the money is going for the child? Sure. If it's going And to that the was one of the reasons I didn't run that bill. It was There were so many rabbit holes. There are so many good dads out there that are paying child support and there are and that's why you have attorneys and there are so many issues in that area it just got muddier and muddier and muddier and i felt like alice in wonderland dropped down a rabbit hole right and it it, what sounded what sounds good on the front end the more you get into the weeds the worse it gets correct and and that was one of the things that i thought you know I, i need to stop just wait just a second and look at this whole thing and look at all the issues and 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 you learn that pretty quickly that things aren't always as clear as what they seem and and like this gentleman said um you know he's paying child support and his child is not in the clothes that that they should be but the the wife or the ex-spouse has their nails done and everything is they're coiffured and the kid has is in less than an optimal situation correct so everything is not always what it seems um i kept a little geode on my desk in the house and just to remind me sometimes when things look great and wonderful um sometimes they're ugly and sometimes when it's ugly it's great and wonderful you got to look at both sides of the issue all the time and sometimes it's neither side's good so it's gonna be something that really has to be hammered out is what you're saying a lot of bills you have to start early and spend a lot of time listening and legislators don't always spend a lot of time listening we we have to slow down and call and ask we had a funeral bill i called two funeral home directors at nine o'clock at night and said i'm in over my head i have no clue you guys need to read this and tell us what to think and the whip team is really good when they get together and meet they'll call people back home seven eight o'clock at night and say we've got a bill here we don't get we're not funeral home directors or we're not accountants but we need help and that's what it, that's it why helps, they're there that it helps to slow down and ask questions okay with that in mind here we are sitting in the the end of june uh, you all won't start until january but are you already putting together the legislation that you would like to pursue i'm already working on i've got a little list and just kind of digging through should I do this? Should I do that? That type of thing. But I'm also running for office. There's no guarantee I'll be there. So it, But you still have to think through what are the issues so that when you get there, you're ready to go. Um, we're on Facebook, of course. Oh. You need to vote her back in. I'm just, okay. This is from Dave. Vote her back in. Please. <laughs> All right. Keep that in mind. All right. That's about where I'm going to stop with you right now because okay. we've. I'll have you back on. And, I'd love and that. We'll, we'll do this whenever you're going to be in the area because you got to be up here doing 
to doing work if you're going to be if you just let me know we'll make time for you here on oh. the show absolutely well thank you for i think i think you're one of the big shining stars in fact what i'd like to do maybe get you on and uh, get mary bentley on she's awesome i don't know maybe julie or uh, some of the other women who have been working so diligently from the republican side now that can talk about a lot of the issues coming up well you've had some great ones on they've it's there's a whole bunch of us it's definitely a team effort and it's been fun there's so many different walks of life and that makes it also everybody brings something to the table well i didn't know for instance i i did not and i just learned today as i listened to you about your background in healthcare. it's pretty extensive isn't it well i'm i'm a teacher by trade okay so and it's and i learned quickly that my teacher's retirement wasn't going to do everything so i started working on rental property so i could put in a toilet and tile the floors and all that good stuff so i'm a capitalist but that's one of my favorite things about her okay uh not a socialist a capitalist and and that's what i am i mean i got my big sign up here i love capitalism in the background Mm -hmm. and 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 live free is that's what my that's what my license plate says on my car i love it you know when you when you drive down the road if you see live free in front of you that's me just know that that's the way i want you to live I want you to be free to to pursue your dreams because you live in a country that if you pursue your dreams, you might find out you can go further than you've ever thought you could go. Amen. That's what's so great about America. It really is. All right. That's all the time we got. I'm going to take a break tomorrow. I'm trying to think. I got uh, Congressman Hill, Congressman Westerman will join us from Washington. Of course, we'll talk to them about the decision that was made on Friday. We'll also talk about the gun decision that hit New York. We didn't get to talk about school choice this time. Uh, with the state rep, we will the next time that she comes on. Just know that that main decision has big, big uh, happenings for the state of Arkansas if we decide to grab it and run with it. Until then, until tomorrow, 6 a.m., Dave Ellswick Show. I'm done. I'll talk to you tomorrow.